you know, you can tell on, on social media now who is really putting the show on and who is letting at least some more of their authentic self come through. And I'm happy to see that that is more of a trend now. So that's kind of encouraging, I think, you know, especially when we're talking about these feelings that we all have, which, you know, imposter syndrome, I think is one step farther, but it comes from the comparison. I think that's the, I think that's the initiation of that feeling is like, you see something and you're like, I'm not that, but I should be that. And then imposter syndrome is like, oh no, you are that, but you don't believe it. I'm just a hairstylist. How am I supposed to be a photographer, a social media manager, a receptionist, a marketing manager, and an entrepreneur as well? Welcome to the Secret Life of a Hairstylist podcast, where we shatter the term, I'm just a hairstylist, and help inspire you behind the chair. I'm Samantha, and I'm a hairstylist, educator, and salon owner, and I want to help inspire you with tips from how to manage your social media, to how to sell retail, to how to continue a positive mindset, making you more money as a stylist. Every week, I will share my own experiences over the last 10 years, plus bring in amazing experts from all over the hair industry to share their secrets on success. So what do you say? Are you ready to challenge yourself, get inspired, and build your dream business behind the chair? Good morning, everyone. I am so excited to have you here. After my week vacation, I decided just to take some time to myself because things were getting a little crazy in Winnipeg and um, I just felt I needed some time to just decompress and uh, relax a little bit. So I'm excited to be back with this awesome, awesome episode with Marissa. And before we get started, I just wanted to shout out if anybody is feeling like they are struggling within their business, um, they just need a little bit of guidance, they want to know how to better grow their social media or uh, website as well, please send me a DM or go check out my website at www.samanthalacoste.com and you can sign up for a 30-minute stylist session on there. So we get on the podcast, we talk about your business, and we figure out some ways that you can grow your clientele within the salon or just give you some guidance or you're just needing somebody to chat with. So please head over to my website and you can sign up for a stylist session on there. So without further ado, let's get into this week's episode. Enjoy. Thank you, Marissa, for hopping on this episode with me. I'm super pumped to talk to you. We met through Clubhouse and which for anybody who has not been on Clubhouse yet, please get on there because it's been really cool to make some really neat and different connections with people around the world and within the same industry. So that's been really, really cool. Um, So Marissa and I got introduced on on Clubhouse and uh, we got into talking about a very interesting subject about imposter syndrome and uh, I know you had popped into the into the interview or sorry the um, the room at that time it feels like an interview sometimes yeah. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> kind of yeah <laughs> but into the room um, and into that conversation around that time and you had some really really neat things to say about it and some really like really good deep insight into it. And so I knew I had to have you on the podcast and, and talk further into it. So hopefully our conversation on here is as good as it was on Clubhouse. Um, But I would love for you to just share a little bit about yourself, um, how you got into the industry and kind of where it has led you today. Well, thanks, Sam. Yeah. Clubhouse is so cool. I, 
I had kind of no, I don't know. I just kind of got thrown into it. And, uh, and now I'm like addicted. I can't, I just love spending my mornings on there, getting to meet people, talk about all kinds of stuff. And it's like hair related, but it's also not. So I don't know. It's very cool. I, I agree. Anyone who's not on there yet should definitely check it out. Um, but just a little bit about me. I'm in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, so I'm in the U.S. I have been doing hair for kind of a long time now. I think it's going on 14 years, maybe. Um, I grew up in the industry. My my grandpa had a salon that I grew up in. Um, we're Greek, so he had a salon in Greece and then came to the U.S. and kind of created like this little, like he built it, attached it to his house. And like, that's where I grew up. So uh, he did hair you know, not just, he wasn't a barber. He like did color and cut and the whole thing. And my grandma did nails. And so I just, I've been around it my whole life. My mom still does nails. It's just, it's always been a constant in my life. And, um, growing up, I, I was always very artsy and very into all of that stuff, but I kind of, I didn't really think I would be a hairstylist because I, it felt like, a Oh, of course you would do that. You know, it felt kind of like, well, duh. And that didn't excite me because it made me feel like I was just doing something just to do it. So I grew up dancing and I grew up doing art and I was trying to decide if I wanted to go to dance school, or if I wanted to go to art school. And um, really what did it for me, the reason I went to hair school instead was because I was kind of forced to think about what what happens after school, you know, like, what do you want your job to actually be? And I'm still to this day, I feel, I find myself like so interested in other things and other arts and other creative, you know, careers that could be so awesome. But it's like, I, I could never give up the day-to-day of being a hairstylist. I love it so much. And I just don't know a lot of other jobs where you can have so much freedom and so much creativity and so much control. And it's just, it, it's a great industry and, and it's really grown so much, um, in the past few years, especially as we can all see like through Instagram and clubhouse and, you know, podcasting, especially too, it's just so cool. So I'm just really happy to be here. Um, I own a salon in Columbus and I don't know. I mean, I could, I don't want to just like ramble. So if there's anything, I don't know. I've, I've been a salon owner for a while. Um, I guess my like salon, talk- a little bit about your experience with um, starting your salon and kind of how it has morphed to where it is now. Cause I know you kind of went through a little bit of an adventure with your salon and yes. uh, <laughs> some things that have happened. So maybe share a little bit of insight into that because that'll kind of bring us into the conversation today. Yeah. And actually, so this is an interesting perspective. I don't say this very often, but I kind of, I never really wanted to own a salon. Um, It just kind of happened for me in a way that made sense that I was really excited for. So I I worked, you know, in commission salons since I graduated school. Um, And once the the last commission salon that I worked at, um, I had left and went out on my own, but with a friend and we, you know, started a loft and kind of did the independent thing for a couple of years. And I really liked that. Um, but at a certain point it was like, oh my gosh, like we're so busy and we, the space is so small and it's so expensive. And it's like, well, where do you go from here? You know, it was kind of like the next logical step for me and my partner at the time. And so that's what we did. And, and so that's kind of what, how the salon came to be was born out of necessity and also inspiration because, 
I, I think it's kind of stifling after a while, like anybody who's been in a loft for a certain amount of time, like, I think they're awesome. And I'm super supportive of, of loft owners. But I do think if, if you let it or if if you really want to grow like past a certain point, like there are certain things that can can make that more difficult being in that setting. And the space itself was one for, for us. It was just really small and it was hard. You know, I wanted an assistant. That was a big, big driving factor for me. And opening the salon was wanting to have an assistant, wanting to train new stylists, wanting to kind of grow myself and another stylist in that way. So that's kind of how the salon came to be. And it operated in that way for, like four and a half years ish. Um, how it would be is like, you know, new, new, somebody would new would come on. Um, you know, we had one, one assistant to start with and we trained her. And then once she got her chair, um, new, somebody new would come on and they would be like my personal assistant doing, you know, toners and blow dries and helping me foil. And I would teach them how to formulate and do all of the things. And so that was kind of like the format. Um, and so I did that with three different, uh, stylists who are awesome stylists still, and I'm so proud of them. And um, it's awesome. Like that was really fulfilling to me to have the salon in that way, but it was never, I don't know, like, and this isn't to be judgmental about anybody who wants these other things, but it, it was never like, oh, I want it to be like my salon and have it be like this entity all in its own. Like I, I never really cared too much about that. I never really cared too much about like being the boss or being in charge of people or, like what any of that kind of meant. And I used to feel really weird and guilty about that. Like, oh, I'm not like a good enough business owner or I'm not a good enough salon owner. And I think this is where, you know, the imposter syndrome kind of comes in because you're like, okay, well, maybe, maybe I'm not, but all of the things say that I am. So like, what do you listen to, you know? Mm -hmm. And so um, things changed for me after COVID. Um, my salon uh, my, my ex-partner and I, we, we split. So, you know, things went in a different direction and like, you know, I'm still very supportive of that as well. Like, I feel like everybody should do what works best for them. But for me, it was, I, it kind of left me making a decision of like, what, what do I want? Like, I don't know what I want now. Uh, where do I take, I have the salon, what do I do with it? And I, I found myself thinking back to like when I was a loft owner and like what I really liked about doing hair and what I really liked about, the parts of owning a salon that I loved, I wanted to focus on that. And I felt like the best way to do that was to have a booth rent salon, uh, which seems counterintuitive, but it ended up working out really, really well. Um, so that's the very short version <laughs> of that. Um, that's the abbreviated like Cliff Notes version. And that's where I'm at now as I, I'm running a commission salon. It's a, or not a commission salon, sorry, a booth rent salon. Um, that is a like team oriented booth rent salon. It's like more of a collective vibe and we all work together, but we all are independent. Um, I try to position myself as a leader, not a boss, you know, somebody who's there to help and to coach and to build people up and to have a, a cohesive brand that we can all stand behind, but not to be like micromanaging or strangling it to be any certain type of thing. So mm -hmm. That's great. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like kind of your story and how it kind of came to be, I feel like that is a, what a lot of stylists go through or what a lot of salon owners go through. And yours 
your story is not, not like dampening your story, but it's not unique to others because so many have gone through it. Right. Absolutely. Um, So many people or so many salon owners have, um, had, whether it be amicable, amicable, or it be not amicable. Um, a lot of salon owners owners have gone through, uh, uh, splits and have gone their separate ways. And I think what a lot of people struggle with is how to get out of that. And I think that that's a really, a really big thing is that we just tend to get into this feeling of self-doubt and self-worth and, it can be very scary. And then you end up probably going into another career because you're scared to open up a salon again, or you end up going to work for somebody else because you just, you had somebody leave you or, um, uh, yeah, things happen. So, oh my gosh, I thought about all those things. Like, I remember, I remember sitting down and really being like, okay, like, what do you want? What do you want? Like, what is going to, you have like literally every opportunity. Cause that, that's something too, that I think people don't realize is like um, an exodus <laughs> is kind of like a blessing, you know? And it's, I think this happened with COVID too. Like people started to realize like, this is an opportunity. This is a, this is a chance that we don't get often, you know, to sit quietly, uh, you know, relatively quietly, I should say. It's like, you know, it's different to be forced into a situation, but we're given this opportunity to reflect and to really ask yourself what you want. Like, that's the only, like people ask me, Oh, what's the advice you would give? Like, that's it. Just what do you actually want for yourself? Because I considered moving away. I considered closing the salon and going to work for somewhere, someone else, because that would make my life easier. Right. I don't want to do any of this. Um, I considered like starting over in the same way that I did before, like just starting with one assistant and starting from the ground up and doing it all over again. And, you know, the reason I didn't do any of those things is because if you actually are honest with yourself and really think about what it is that you love about your job, what do you love about your day to day? What do you love about your industry and your career? It's like, if those things don't line up, then that's not the answer, you know? And for me, it was like, well, I already, I love my clients. I don't want to leave my clients. You know, I, to me, starting over like that, I've never done that before. So I thought, wow, what an interesting opportunity. I could do that. I've never moved anywhere else. I've never started my career over. I've always been in Columbus. Um, but with that, like, that's a lot to leave, you know? And I was just like, I don't, I don't want to abandon my clients. I, you know, I've worked so hard for what I have. I'm not just going to walk away from it because I have an opportunity to do so. So, you know, that was that. And as far as starting over in the same way, I was just kind of like, why? Like, I don't need to do the same thing again. Like it's so much work to train people one-on-one constantly every day for years in a row. And like, it's very, very um, fulfilling, but And I do actually really miss it sometimes, but I don't, not enough to like go back to that. And so once I kind of decided that those two things weren't an option for me, it was like, okay, well, this is what I have left. And how do I make that into something that I'm really proud of, that I'm excited about, and that I I can create a system that like doesn't trap me into a life that I don't want. Mm-hmm. So I think having a booth rent salon was, was the answer for me. And it might not be for other people. It's like, again, maybe that's not what you want, but it's all about trying to figure out what that is and how to get it. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that that is such an important part for salon owners or somebody who's wanting to become a salon owner is to really think about what it is 
that you want out of a salon. And I have talked to so many people who are like, yeah, I want to own a salon because they want to be independent. Like being a salon owner does not mean you're going to be independent. And so you really, really, really have to think about what it is that you want out of owning a salon. Like, do you want to have assistance? Do you want to, uh, what is the overall goal of the salon? Do you want to have people, um, do you want to train people or anything like that? So I think it's kind of interesting now that you've recognized that that is not what you want to do. And yes, you still kind of like want to train people here and there, but there are other ways of going about that too. Right. Um, but transitioning it into something completely different and now making it a booth rental. Um, and I, and I think that's just the biggest thing is for people to really, really realize and recognize what it is that they want out of a salon because otherwise it could fail completely. Right. So what are some of kind of like the things that made you realize that you were not meant to be a salon owner, or not a salon owner, but like a a commission salon? Um, What were some of the things that you kind of recognized? You're like, this is not what I want, um, want to do, or, you know, uh, even with having a business partner, um, some things that you kind of like, what was kind of going through your mind um, during the transition process of, of not being a commissioned salon? Well, I think a big part of it for me was the responsibility factor. Like it's really heavy to be responsible for somebody's livelihood, let alone six people, let alone 20, let alone, you know, however many people you employ. I think I always had a little bit of kind of built up anxiety over that because again, like I didn't, it's not like that was always my dream, right? Like I never, I never thought that I would have that. So I think when I got it, I was trying to kind of make myself be what I thought that person should look like and be like and act like. And I would compare myself a lot to other people that I thought did it better and other people that I thought were more successful. And when I didn't measure up to that, I would just feel really defeated. And I think when I, when I was trying to figure out like, okay, do I want to do that again? It was, it was okay. Like how much responsibility do I really want? Like, what am I comfortable with waking up and doing 100% on my own? Because I don't have a partner anymore. So, and, and it wasn't like a question of, do I need to find another partner? Like that, that thought literally never entered my brain at all. It was just like, okay, this is mine now. It's just me. I have to figure it out. (laughs) Like I have to figure it out in a way that makes it work for me. And that process alone was just like really um, kind of, it was nice. It was like, it, it didn't feel so heavy anymore. Um, and so when I thought about like, okay, what does booth rent actually mean? Because, and and what are my limitations with that? Because I think that booth rent salons, they get, they've had a bad rap. I think it's getting better now because people are starting to realize that there are ways um, around what had, what was the norm before. Like, you know, again, I mentioned my mom did nails growing up, like she owned a booth rent nail place for a while. And she used to work in booth rent hair salons where they would just have like one or two nail desks in the front. And I kind of always had that image in my head of a booth rent salon of like, I don't know, I'm not, I don't want to like be so negative, but it's like, you know, the salons where you walk in and it's like kind of a shit show and everybody has their stuff everywhere and everything is messy. Yeah. It's like, it's a mess. There's, there's nothing unifying about it. Like you walk in and you instantly know, like, 
like you can see the one stylist whose station is like beautiful and clean and nice and she looks good and her clients are happy and like every you know maybe the person next to her is not that and maybe the person next to her is something different and like I think that there's something actually really cool about that I just didn't want that for myself or for my salon and partly because you know it's not like I was starting a, a complete I, I could have done this you know I could have scratched my salon name and redid everything and like totally went from from total scratch but I didn't want to I, I felt like you know what I had was great and I wanted to just expand on it and kind of change it instead of kill it and start over you know um and so when I was like okay booth rent means what to me booth rent means I want to have people who I trust to be there when I'm not there who I don't have to micromanage who have a good enough clientele and business sense and personal respect and professionalism that I don't need to manage them as a, as a stylist in that way. I don't want to babysit people. I don't want to, you know, and obviously there's always some of that because if you're creating any sort of system, like I have an artist contract, it's not, you know, like a, you know, like a commission contract where you sign and you say, Oh, you can't work here. You can't take your clients. You can't do this. I think those are going away in general, but what I do have is basically like what apartment complexes have, you know, if you live here, if you work here, whatever, these are the things that are acceptable. These are the things that are not, we're all adults here. We're signing this to hold each other accountable. This is my role. These are the things I want to do for you. Uh, if you want me to do more for you, I will please ask me in this format, you know, like, so it's, I think it's just all about being really, really clear. And I did have help, you know, I, I got some coaching. I talked to my lawyer a lot about, you know, what I'm allowed to ask for, what I'm not allowed to ask for. And I think you just have to find kind of, you know, what works. I wanted to create a space that I would want to go work at, you know, and like, that's really what it came down to for me. It's like, if I, you know, I'm, I was in this position, like, I was like, okay, do I want to go some work somewhere else? Where would I go? Oh, well, these are my choices. I can go back to having my own loft. I can stay in my space just by myself and run out my lease. <laughs> Not the most ideal situation. Um, or I could scrap it all, you know, and go work at a commission salon or, you know, some somewhere else that I felt I could. And, you know, there were places I considered because I have a lot of friends who own salons in the city and I would work for any one of them. They're all great business owners. So it was actually not a super easy decision because it, all of them required work, you know, but I just felt like I could, you know, work with what I had in a way and turn it into something that was not so different that it was unrecognizable, but it was different enough that I would attract a different type of stylist. And so that's what's happening now. And it's really, really cool. I'm super excited about it. That's awesome. Yeah. I think it's just, it's so important to really realize what you want in life in general, really. <laughs> so really just like sitting down. And I think that that's been kind of the most beautiful thing that has come out of COVID is that we have had this time to really sit down and plan things or sift through what isn't working, what is working and make the most out of it really. So I, I think that's, that that's been really cool. Um, but I want to kind of shift it to going back to imposter syndrome. Um, because I think this is such an important topic. And uh, I, I've had some people ask me in the past, like, what is imposter syndrome? And so I don't know if you still have that definition that you I had. Do. Oh, perfect. If you could share um, that, that would be great. Because yes. I have some like, 
points of what it is um, or what some of the characteristics of are of it. But I think that that was a really, really, really great definition of it. It's super interesting. So this is from Wikipedia. Anybody can look this up, um, but it's, it's pretty black and white. It's really interesting. They say imposter syndrome is also known as imposter phenomenon or imposterism, fraud syndrome, or the imposter experience. (laughs) Uh, It's a psychological pattern in which an individual doubts their skills, talents, or accomplishments, and has a persistent internalized fear of being exposed as a fraud. Despite external evidence of their competence, those experiencing this phenomenon remain convinced that they're frauds and they do not deserve all that they've achieved. Individuals with imposterism incorrectly attribute their success to luck or interpret it as a result of deceiving others into thinking that they're more intelligent than they perceive themselves to be. Um, And then it goes on to say, you know, early research focused prevalence among high achieving women, but obviously this affects both men and women. Then they break it down and talk about um, imposter syndrome in the context of mental illness and its treatment. So they say certain individuals may see themselves as less ill or less depressed or less anxious than their peers or or other mentally ill people, citing that their lack of severe symptoms is an indication of no or a minor underlying issue. So people diminish their symptoms because, oh, it's not as bad as so-and-so. Well, I'm not depressed. Look at how they act. I don't act like that. That's not as bad for me. So it, that they, they almost create an excuse that they're not worthy of, of care or attention or therapy or whatever it is. So it, it works in internalized. And then also it's almost like a comparison problem, um, especially in regards to mental illness. So I find that super interesting. Mm-hmm. I th- and like, I, I kind of take it back to the moments that I have felt imposter syndrome. And I have a lot of people who tell me they're like, oh, you're always like so positive or you're always like so confident and all that. And it's like, I think that that kind of plays into it is that I perceive this confidence because I'm constantly comparing myself to other people. And so I, I think that that kind of like really was an aha to how I perceive myself to others and how I compare myself to other people. And so I think that this is like a really, a really common thing that a lot of people go through. And especially as hairstylists, we are, we're artistic. So we overthink everything, (laughs) but we are in a really competitive industry as well. And so I think now having gone back from you know, even 10 years ago, like everything was a secret and nobody really shared anything. And so it was a completely different time and you could, you could really think whatever you wanted of others. But, um, now we're in this era of sharing everything and we're, you know, you're, you're showing on social media, especially you're showing the best parts of your life. So I, I see a lot of people are like, Oh, well, their pictures are so beautiful. And they're, they're, the hair they do is so much better than mine. Or, you know, you start to like get those constant thoughts of like, well, why are they so successful? And I'm not. And then it's funny kind of talking to some other people and, and some different coaches and they're like, yeah, like, you know, some of these girls have like these most beautiful curated feeds, but they're struggling inside as well. And we don't know what is happening on the other side of the screen, right? Mm -hmm. We really truly don't know. And so it's just, it's so mind boggling to me and, and how, 
how kind of our minds work and, and we get into this like imposter syndrome and comparison syndrome and, and how, how it really affects us on a day to day. And really we are all going through it, no matter how successful you are. And I talked to some people who are extremely successful salon owners or stylists or whatnot, but they still go through the same thoughts. So I kind of wanted more, a little, a little bit more on your perspective of it. And if there has been a time, um, that you have truly felt imposter syndrome or, and how you've gotten out of it. I think, well, everything you said for sure, I like totally agree with. And I think a key part of that, that a lot of people miss, it's like, okay, so we have this, this way of communicating now, this social media situation. And like what you said, it's like almost like oversharing now. Like I remember, you know, when social media was first coming, like I, I even remember like Instagram, right? Like we got, we got it pretty young in our careers, you know, cause it's been around for a while now, but it wasn't always there. And I remember when the stories thing came out and I had like this weird, like, you know how you just have like reactions to things. And I remember thinking like, okay, like who cares? Who yeah. is going to watch this? Like who cares? And like, now I find that my stories are more valuable because it, it interacts with the people who already follow you. So it's not like trying to go out and grab new attention. So you don't, I think that people realize that you don't have to put on as much of the show or whatever. It's like almost like the more authentic, it's like the behind the scenes of the the business card that is your feed, you know? And so I think once I kind of, once that clicked for me a little bit, I was, I was less um, emotionally reactive to like oversharing. And like, I used to judge that a lot. Like, what are, who do these people, like, who do you think you are? Like, why do you, why, no one cares about this, you know? But now I'm like, okay, it's just a tool. It's a tool to use. But to your point, you know, you can tell on on social media now who is really putting the show on and who is letting at least some more of their authentic self come through. And I'm happy to see that that is more of a trend now. So that's kind of encouraging, I think, you know, especially when we're talking about these feelings that we all have, which, you know, imposter syndrome, I think, is one step farther, but it comes from the comparison. I think that's the I think that's the initiation of that feeling is like you see something and you're like, I'm not that, but I should be that. And then imposter syndrome is like, oh, no, you are that, but you don't believe it. Mm -hmm. Like, that's so interesting because that is kind of, I think, what happens more, especially to salon owners, because you are constantly comparing yourself to this salon or that salon or this person that we see on Instagram or like, you know, the big successful salons. Like, how do you get like that? You know, and and you it's almost like a puzzle you're trying to, like, fit yourself into. And I don't know, I, I think. I think everybody just has to take, you know, if you're a salon owner, it's like, well, you have a staff, they came to you for a reason. Like you have people who are supporting you for a reason. It's more about like uncovering those reasons and then accepting them, like learn how to take a compliment. You know, like we're all so terrible at that. We sit, you know, we're stylists. We make everybody beautiful. We turn their hair around and like, oh my God. And they're like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And it's like, when someone does that to us, we're like, oh no, it's not a big deal. I don't deserve that. You know? And I think it almost comes out of a fear of being um, like self-centered or egotistic or whatever. It's like, we don't want to pump ourselves up too much, but I don't think that that really is how it comes off. I think that a lot of that is in our own head. As long as you're not putting somebody else down, I don't think anybody is going to think that of you. Mm -hmm. At least I would hope not. <laughs> that, that would be the goal, you know? Yeah. But I, I do think that all of these thoughts, like this imposter 
like phenomenon. I think it, it, it comes from a seed of comparison and of FOMO kind of like, you know, you want something else that's not in front of you maybe. And like that you don't know how to look at what you have in, in the correct um, framework and yourself included, you know, it's, it's really kind of a mind game in a way with that you have to play with yourself. It is. It really is. It's a very big mind game. (laughs) And, and it just goes back to like, yeah, we all do have those thoughts at times. And I think we kind of just have to take that moment to step back and realize that like, you, you don't know what's going on in other people's lives. We're all going through something in our own, in our own way. And we're all on our own paths. And I know I've even gotten into that where like there's a salon in Winnipeg that I always feel like I'm constantly comparing myself to because we always kind of end up doing similar things. And so we all get into this like mind game of like, well, what they're doing it better. We're, you know, they're stealing our ideas or whatever. It's like, no, you have to take a step back and like, they're probably the nicest people and they're just doing their thing. We're doing our thing and we can all share. And at the end of the day, we're attracting different clientele, you know, and, and I think that just sometimes we get into our own heads with that and it, yeah, we just have, we have to step back take a step back and realize that, you know, there, there is, there's room for everybody at the end of the day, there's a million clientele out there. Yes. <laughs> and there's- I was in a room before, before our talk today, I was actually mm-hmm. in a room um, with destroy the hairdresser. I don't know if you guys follow them, mm-hmm. but yeah, they're it's awesome. a really good room here. Um, and they were talking about like, it's like, you, we hear these things all the time. It's like, you already know the answer. You just have to like, let yourself hear it and then like really hear it, you know? Cause it's like, you can hear it, but is it, have you like taken it in, you know? Like, is it a part of what you actually think yet? And one of the girls said, um, you know, your client, like it's, it's, it's all about you. Like, like I said, I think there's a fear of it being so self so, so self-centered, like when we're thinking about it, but our clients come to us because of us, like there are really, really busy, successful hairstylists who are not that good. It's mm-hmm. because their clients love them. And like, that is a, that used to really piss me off. <laughs> like when I was really <laughs> young and like, you know, I came into this industry artist first, people second, like, I always used to joke, like, you know, I, I would want the client to like drop their head off to me if it was possible, leave and come back and get it when they're done. Like mm-hmm. that was how I graduated hair school. I don't think that way anymore, but I I'm glad that I had, I used to think that way because it taught me so much. And now when I'm, you know, getting coaching or listening to other people and they, they talk about these things, like it's nice to be reminded because again, it's like, we know that every stylist knows that they bring something unique to the table. And like, that's what their clientele is after, but it's different to like, kind of know it. And then it's, and then it's different to shape your business around that idea, you know, and like make that the driving force of like, okay, well, what is it? What, what do I bring that's different? And how can I like make that my little thing, like my system, like, you know, whether that's as a salon owner, like how to create your salon culture and how to create your structure, or if you're, you know, independent, like shining a light on that with your, with how you get clients, with your experience in the chair. So I I do think like, without trying to make it all about you, you have to kind of make it all about you, you know, and and in an effort to make it all about whoever else is in your, 
little circle, whether that's your clients or your team or your family or however it is, it's like the more you know yourself and what you need and what you want, the better you can be for other people. I think that's so important because I've, I've definitely been in that space now more than ever. I have really taken that time to step back and figure out like who I am and what I want to do and how I want to, who I want to be. Right. And, and really stepping back into that, that mindset of like, just who I really am. And, um, kind of with that, we take that step back and we start to get out of that comparison syndrome because we're, we're so confident in who we are and how we want like our salon to be and our branding and our, um, uh, morals within the salon and all of that. And as long as you stick to that, then it doesn't matter what happens outside of the salon. And I think that's really cool with social social media now too, is that we've gotten into this being more authentically you and not trying to be somebody else or fit into the mold of what society is telling us to be. And so I think that that has been like one of the most powerful things of, of getting out of that comparison syndrome is just really recognizing who I am and sticking to that. And that has like made such a huge difference in the way I run my business and, and, and my mental health too. So, Absolutely. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. So I think that's been really, really, re- yeah, really powerful. Um, cool. So I want to finish off with a couple uh, scenario questions. So it kind of ties into a lot of what we have been talking about today. Um, and I want to know like how you would react to them or how like you would handle those situations. So are you ready? <laughs> okay, girl, lay it on me. <laughs> Perfect. So first one is you find out one of your stylists has been stirring up rumors and talking negatively behind your back. It's starting to take a toll on your mental health and your role as a leader. You start to doubt yourself and overthink things. So how do you handle the situation and bring yourself back to that leadership role? Well, I think it depends on your salon structure because obviously you would handle it differently if you're running a commission salon versus running an independent, you know, booth rent salon. So I guess for me now, currently like running a booth rent salon, I think the key to that is transparency. And like, you have to, you have to be willing, you yourself as a leader have to be willing to like have the tough conversation and like call it out, at least go up to the person and say like, Hey, I, you know, this has been brought to my attention and whatever you have in place, like for me, you know, that's my, my artist agreement is it also includes, you know, it includes everything, but it's like, you know, there are behavioral outlines. Like we agree to treat each other with respect and all of these things. So it's like, Hey, I, this was brought to my attention. What's your side of it? we did agree to this. So like, let's have a conversation and see if we can figure it out. You know, it's like, I don't know. I don't think it needs to be that serious. I think it's a little bit harder in a, in a commission salon because the role, your role is like a little bit more separated. You're not as much of an equal, right? Like you're Mm -hmm. not on as much of an equal playing field with someone that you employ, which is like I said, it's just a little bit extra of a layer of responsibility. So in that case, I feel like you can be a little bit more firm in a way because you have the ability to just tell, I mean, you have the ability as a booth renter too, to ask someone to leave if they're not meeting your expectations. But I think the mindset is just a little different if they're an employee. And because 
there's something different about a team of people, like a, like a staff, you know, like when you, if you have a staff of people, like they have their own kind of, um, I don't know how to say this, like they're, they're always going to be the employees and you're always going to be the boss. And like, they will always feel some sort of way different. Like there's, there's a more clear separation. Mm-hmm. So I just think, I don't know, I guess if you're asking me what I would do or what I have done, like you just have to have the difficult conversation and try to move past it and just ask people as clearly as you possibly can, what you would expect from them and actually ask them what you can do better and try to do it. It's really not that crazy. It's just, I think people are afraid of confrontation and they don't want to have that initial um, reaction. And as far as like the mental wearing on your own mental health part, I think that, obviously it's different for everybody, but for me, you know, I do get, I I have, and can see how you can get down on yourself in that way. It's like, you just have to remember all the things that we've talked about. Like, why are you doing this? Is this what you want? And like, if it's not, then how do you change it? And even if it's not, you're in it right now. So you have to be able to make it (laughs) the best that you can, you know, for yourself and for everybody else. So just, um, I think transparency is the best policy. Like try to call it out. Don't, don't run from it. Don't, you know, if, especially if it's gossip, it's like, oh my gosh, the longer you wait, the worse it's going to be like, just tackle it head on, you know? Yeah. And I think too, that, I mean, I have been through this situation and it was in the very beginning of opening my salon. And at that time I didn't know how to handle it. And it was definitely a learning curve for me to figure that out because I was not somebody who was good with confrontation at the time. Although a lot of people told me I'm very good at confrontation, but that's how it was with me too. Like I, I also think like, and when I had a commission salon, it was like, for me, I, I was definitely the person who would have those conversations more, I think because I'm just a naturally confrontational person. Oh, okay. Winston is saying hello. Um, (laughs) Be quiet. So, okay. But I think, I think tailoring your feedback to the person, right? Like learning your staff. Like I, I had, you know, to talk to people, you have to talk to people in a way that they'll actually hear you. Like if you, if you come to somebody on your team and you know that they think this way, or they have these reactions or they don't, like maybe you have a shyer person, right? Or maybe you have a more confrontational person or somebody who is just like, they have an attitude, whatever it is. It's like, you kind of have to figure out a way to, you can't talk to everyone the same way is I guess what I'm trying to say. And there is a book, I think it's called Tap Into Greatness. Um, I don't remember the author. I can like see it on my bookshelf, Mm -hmm. but um, I got it at hair camp um, a couple years ago. And we, we had like a, she had like a business coaching little like breakout session or whatever. And her whole workshop was about learning how to be the right leader for each individual person on your team. Cause they always need, like, they need something different from you. Like one person might need, you know, a confidence boost. Like they might be insecure or they might feel like they're not good enough. And so if you come at them and you make them feel less than, then they're not going to respect you. They're not going to want to change for you because you're, you're playing Exactly. Yeah. You're talking down to them or you're, you're playing against their insecurity, not, not trying to, or you're playing into it, not against it is what I meant to say. So I think taking some time and like finding some books like that, that are talking about leadership and like, you know, different personality types. Like I've worked at salons or I've, I've had clients who have worked at companies where they do like those, those personality type testing. And then their HR person, that's their job is to like 
figure out how to best communicate with you and your type. So obviously you don't have to go that far, but I think that mentality is helpful when you're dealing with a a wide range of people. Yeah. I was going to add on there actually that we have had all of our staff do the Enneagram test so that we we know (laughs) how to, I mean, it's so fascinating, but that's a whole other subject. One of my girls, she's like Enneagram obsessed and I, I love her. Like Jamie has gotten me so into it. And like, now we like all three, like we all talk about it like, Oh, well, okay. Well that's because I'm a four. That's because like I'm an eight, which I'm sure you've probably already gathered like the biggest stereotypical eight you could ever find. Um, but it is so interesting. Like, I love that stuff. And I I think it's, if you can do it like lightheartedly and like not make it a judgment thing, like, Oh, you're such a this, or yeah, that's because you're this number whatever. It's like, it's really just a fun way to talk about our differences and not be judgmental about them. It's really yeah. cool. But at the same time, like don't make it an excuse. And exactly. I think that's become a big exactly. thing. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I forgot because I'm in an Enneagram two or whatever it is, is uh-huh. like, no, you recognize that you're a two. So let's change the behavior. That's exactly it. It's like the oh, I can't remember what the book is now, but I was reading one of one of the Enneagram books and they're literally that's exactly what they say. Like, oh, it's not an excuse. In fact, it's now the opposite of an excuse. Now mm-hmm. that you know and you're aware, your awareness is your accountability. So you can't run from that now. <laughs> like now there's no excuse. You know, <laughs> it's oh my so gosh. true. Oh, so many things. Um, okay, so question number two or scenario number two you have a massive walkout and are left paying, paying all the bills and supporting the salon on your own. You really don't want to close the salon and you don't want to work for someone else, but you're in the middle of a pandemic, so it's hard to find employees. What do you do? So I know you've well, kind of been through this. <laughs> this is literally my whole life right now. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I guess I kind of touched on it a little bit already. It was for me, it was figuring out what I what I mean, literally what I did was try to figure out what to do, which seems kind of you're like, okay, that's great advice, like whatever. But I don't know. I I think I think the, the key part of that question to me is like, well, yeah, it's hard to find employees. So I didn't find employees. I chose not to find employees. I chose to go a totally different way. And I think that I'm starting to kind of, um, you know how when you're in something, like you don't realize, like you're just like doing, right? Like you put the blinders on and like, I'm a doer. I like to get things done. I do not, you know, I I, I don't know. I I like to busy myself with, with tasks to get them done, to get to a goal. So once things are done, I mean, there's always stuff to do, but I guess now I'm at, I'm at in this phase where I'm able to like, look back a little bit and, and kind of think about things like this. And it is a lot like I, I'm not going to try to like pretend that that wasn't a really difficult and very tiring thing to do. Um, I was very lucky though, because my salon is, you know, I, I was lucky I could afford it. I could, I mean, I did, I worked by myself from, I don't know, like October until February, like with not one other person in my space. And it was really strange. <laughs> I, I didn't hate it, um, but it was really strange. And I think like that, that experience to me was probably when I felt like maybe the most um, like insecure about what my decisions were, because it's one thing to, to plan it all out in your head and to know and to believe and say, yes, this is what I want. This is what I want to do. It's going to happen. But like, until it actually happens, you're just like kind of living in your head, you know? And I'm lucky in the way that my 
my clients are like literally the best, the most supportive, like people were just kind of like, oh, it worked in my favor because of COVID because nobody else was in the salon. I had like the biggest salon loft in the city. You know, I was like 1800 square feet for me and one other person because I don't double book. So my clients were actually, it, it was great because they were super, um, they were like excited to have a big space to themselves. We could like, you know, eat lunch on the opposite ends of the salon and like maintain social distancing and all of that stuff. So I count myself lucky that that, that that happened during that time. But on the flip side of that, yeah, you're like, okay, it's a pandemic. Like are stylists going to want to move from their loft to come somewhere else? Like are my, are stylists going to want to leave commission salons to come out on their own after all of this craziness happened where, you know, they didn't have an employment. Like we were lucky, like our salon was commission salon. So our, our, our stylists got unemployment. Like we got unemployment as owners because we were employees of our own business. So like I, that was like an extra layer of security in the, in the pandemic when we were shut down. So, you know, now I'm like, oh, well, I'm not offering that anymore. So like, who is going to, who is going to want this? You know, like there's that kind of like fear and just uncertainty on top of all the other uncertainties of our industry, of our economy, of our entire like situation, you know, through COVID. It's like, if I hear the word unprecedented times, like one more time, it's like, you know, we're all burnt out on that idea. But um, yeah, I think the, I think the only answer to that question for like, if that happens to anybody and I am sure it will, it happens to so many people um, is just, you have to do what is right for you. Like, and you can't judge other people for doing what's right for them too. Like I have you know, I think, I think the term walkout is uh, pretty negative and aggressive. And I think it can be like that, but it, it doesn't always have to be like that. And you don't have to let it be that way for you. You know, like I didn't think about it that way. Um, I, I definitely felt it as a loss, you know, but I didn't, I didn't feel like, like it was this like terrible thing that everyone left. Like I really was just like, okay, like if that's, if this is what you guys want that, please go do that because I'm just, I'm just, I know myself well enough to say that that is not what I wanted, you know? So I I think that that really is the only answer is like, you have to just figure out what you want and do that. And I know that's like such a, that's like a non-answer, but it is, you know, I don't know. It it is an answer. And, and it kind of ties a lot into the last episode I did, um, on, on manifesting and mindset. And, I, I think it really does play into the sense of talking about, you know, massive walkout being a negative term. You have to be able to turn it into a positive and you have to be able to open up your mind to other possibilities, because if you're closed off and you shut down and you think of it as such a negative thing, nothing is ever going to come out of it. Nothing good is ever going to come out of it. So you really have to, you know, if, if, if you're the only one left to pay the bills and you have to run the salon on your own, yes, it's going to be scary, but you can 100% do it. You just have to be open to doing it. And oh my gosh. Yeah. It's like whatever it takes. Like that, that is the thing. It's like, I don't know. And like I said, like I am a doer. So like, it was, it was a very nice distraction for me because I didn't have time to be upset or to, you know, worry about how things looked necessarily. I was just literally in like, okay, I'm in building mode now. Like I'm in, you know, this has to get done. I have to do X, Y, and Z to make sure that everything stays the way it is here. 
But now that that's taken care of, I also have to build and create something so that I don't have to live in this place forever. And like, that's, I think, where it comes into play what we were talking about before of like, you know, I think, I think the best advice I got, you know, through this whole process was from another salon owner in the city who used to actually be one of my cosmetology teachers. She's amazing. I've looked up to her for so many years and she told me, you know, you have to think about the only thing that matters. She's like, you know, whether you keep your salon commission and you start over and you start training new people again, like you already did, or if you open your space up to independent people, like whatever you choose to do, you need to think about like, what do you want your everyday to look like? How much time do you want to be like, what do you want to be working on? That's work when you're not there, when you're not doing hair, like, cause as a salon owner, you're always going to be doing some kind of work. That's not doing hair, but what, what are the differences in that? Like, what does this part look like? If you start over commission wise, like what's the, what's the financial cost to you of doing that business structure versus doing this business structure. And then with that comes the responsibility and all of those things. And so she was just like, literally just boil it down to what do you want your everyday to be? And like, what are you comfortable with being responsible for? Like, that's all you have to worry about. And that was like the best advice because you not then the next step is you have to be honest. You can't like try to convince yourself that you want something that you don't because you, you have already created this, you know, dialogue inside your own head that I am this, I own this, I do this. So now I have to continue doing it that way. It's not true you can do whatever you want. <laughs> so like, I know that's, like I said, it's like, it's like the silliest thing ever because it's not new information. Like this no. is not earth shattering news. It's just, we make excuses for ourselves and we create these imposter syndromes in our head and comparison issues and all of these things, all of these reasons to not do what we all know we want to do. So sometimes we just need the reminder. That's Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I'm a big believer too. in like, I mean, God, you can hear the same thing over and over and over again. And like, it only takes that one time for it to actually like sink in, you know, it's like, I, there's some like old saying, I think where you learn the same lesson over and over again until you've actually learned it. Like if you, mm -hmm. if the same things in your life keep happening, it's because you haven't learned it yet, you know? Yeah. So yeah. that's, I think, I think that was it for me. This was like the last straw in the, please do what you want because <laughs> this is what happens if you don't, <laughs> you know, it's true. It's so true. It's so true. Awesome. Amazing. Oh, this was such a good, great, great conversation. Yeah. Um, so much fun. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on here with me and chatting about this. Cause I know that this has been something different that has happened in your life. Um, and, and I know that a lot of people have gone through it. And so it's good to kind of hear from somebody from somebody else's perspective of how to handle it. Because I know sometimes, like I said, at the beginning, we do go through those negative thought patterns and, and we can make it a good outcome or we can make it a bad outcome. Right. So absolutely. Uh, yeah. So thank you so much for being on here and, um, we'll definitely have to have more conversations. <laughs> yeah, I would love to. It's so fun. I love, like I said, just thanks. Thanks to clubhouse for connecting us. It's such a great, Absolutely. yeah. Great app. So how can, um, people find you and if they have any more questions? 
Um, if you have questions or like want to talk about salon ownery type stuff, you can always email me. Um, I think I have a link on my Instagram, but it's just Marissa at mosshairco.com. Um, and yeah, my salon is mosshairco on Instagram. My Instagram is uh, hairbender underscore M. And yeah, I would love to connect with you guys or, you know, anybody on, on Clubhouse, on Instagram, send me a DM. I'm pretty like, I try to respond relatively quickly, but yeah, I'm here to, I'm here for anything really. I'd love to connect <laughs> on all the different areas. So yeah, perfect. We'll see everybody on Clubhouse. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Sam. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I truly, truly appreciate it. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on your podcast player and share this episode with your friends so that we can keep giving you these amazing episodes with amazing speakers. If you have anybody in mind who you would like to hear on the podcast, please send me a DM at Secret Life of a Hairstylist. And we will uh, find that person and get them on the podcast. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you have a truly amazing day. And remember that you are not alone and that there are just as many people having the same thoughts as you. So don't get discouraged. Keep on pushing through. And I know you will do great. So I hope you have an amazing rest of the day and we will see you on the next episode.